Very well. They're coming. Now we'll see how these Russians deal with a crack SS division. Uh, hands. Have courage, my friend. Yeah. Uh, hands, I've just noticed something. These communists are all cowards. Have you looked at our caps recently? Our caps? The badges on our caps. Have you looked at them? What? No. A bit? They've got skulls on them. <laughs> have you noticed that our caps have actually got little pictures of skulls on them? I, I don't, so... Hans... Are we the baddies? Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of the Lines Led by Donkeys podcast. Hello. I'm Joe, and with me today is Nick. Breathing <laughs> fucking breathlessly it's into the microphone. Mainly, uh, don't have a name for Joe this week. Uh, I I prefer not to have nicknames because they never end up going in my favor. Uh, they don't. You don't like them. Uh, well, through school, everybody's called me ass. Ass is my. I think last mine's name. more creative. Yours, your nicknames for me. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. I have a bunch in the vault. I'll have to take your word for it. I have all day at work to think of these. <laughs> so, Nick, uh, how do you feel about Nazis? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> One, understood individuals. Well, well uh, yeah, they're very rarely misunderstood. <laughs> yeah. Everybody just understands them as Nazis. Uh, now, uh, this might be a bold take for this podcast and many podcasts you're related to, but we don't like Nazis very much. Ooh. Uh, which is why today we were talking about the British Free Corps. That's uh, right. Have you ever heard of the British Free Corps? Yes. Uh, yeah, the, the, the great British team of SS volunteers who are going to storm through and liberate London. Not so much, turns out. Um, but as most things we talk about in this show of ours, we don't just start there. Uh, we can talk about allied Nazis and the people who love them. Uh, is there a lot? Were you aware of? Uh, there's kind of a a, a definite definite pro Nazi bent in the West uh, before the the start of World War II. Yes, we're only, gonna ta- we're gonna talk a bit about that. Only reason why I know, and it goes back to reenacting. Say it. Oh, sorry, cosplaying. There you go. <laughs> so with cosplaying, the uh, SS reenactors they used to talk about it all the time whenever they went to the. Uh, civilian attire events where you wear your 40s civilian clothes or 30s or whatever. I'm assuming there's also still still include a Nazi party badge. And... Exactly. Of course, of course. They would wear it under their lapel because people back then, if they were trying to hide like from being Nazis and they would go to these secret events, they'd flip their lapel over and be like, I'm a part of this. Bam. Flip it. Ah. They gain entry. So they're playing Americans in this? They're doing this today. No, I mean, like, yeah. hypothetically, they're playing secret Nazis. P- pretty much, okay. yes. Okay. So they're... With the whole rings, and some even have cufflinks. Of course Of, like, do. fucking uh, the Viking... Uh, the the, the SS, SS runes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about the people in America. A little bit, because we have to make it kind of fair. We're going to talk a lot of British fascists today, as we, as we should talk about all fascists. Uh, but we're, we're going to even it out by talking about the Boond. Are you familiar with the Boond? You will be. Uh, <laughs> okay. So uh, for people who are unaware, uh, there's actually been a, quite a bit of 
support for the ideas of fascism in the U.S. and the U.K. No. Around this today, uh, but also <laughs> when they were sweeping through the better known areas of fascist power like Germany and Italy. Um, thankfully, this never happened again, and British and American fascism is not a thing whatsoever in the year of our Lord 2020. Nope. Not a thing. Squeaky clean. Nope. Yeah, we certainly don't have torch-bearing dickbags that stomp through the area and kill people with cars. That doesn't happen. Never. Um, now, in America, FDR was very nearly overthrown uh, in what became known as the business plot in order to defeat his horrible leftist New Deal and install a fascist dictatorship backed by a yeah, group polio. of- <laughs> that's so that just shows how bad your plot is. It's like you, you couldn't beat a guy in a wheelchair. Uh, but it was backed by a group of fascist veterans of World War One, mostly the American Legion. Ooh, and backed, hold on, what? Oh, yep. Wow. I mean, there's a reason why they. Uh, I knew the Legion sucked. Yeah. Even when my dad said he wouldn't go to there's a, a Legion th- barbecue, there's a reason why they weren't huge fans of the Bonus Marchers because there's a lot of communists wow. in them. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, it was also possibly backed by the father and grandfather of two American presidents, Prescott Bush. Yeah. Mm. Bush's granddaddy. Yeah. Uh, And commanded by the only good general officer in American history, Smedley Butler. Uh, Who's that? Now, Smedley Butler, not only is uh, the holder of... of Amazing name. Amazing (laughs) name. uh, He's also something of a leftist. Smedley Butler. He immediately blew the whistle on the whole plan and killed it. Like, have you ever heard the saying, war is a racket? Smedley yes. Butler. Ooh. That's his book. Yeah. His, yeah. We'll do an entire there episode. There needs to be a movie. The, I think there might be. Uh, Smedley Butler is- He seems like he'd be a part of Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, but in real life. Yeah. Because he got to kill fascists. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, the real weird shit that America saw pre-World War II was the German-American boond, um, which Dwight- Schrute jokes about his father being a member of on The Office. It was a real thing. Uh, the Bund was, in fact, a pro-Nazi PR move created to make Americans see Nazi Germany. It's not a good move for Dwight's dad. Hell, he openly makes Nazi jokes about him. That's so. very true. Um, now, um, the whole idea was that, well, if we... Now, this is Nazi Germany. Like, if we take Americans and cozy them up to us being normal, right? they won't want to fight us. Mm. Which they were pretty. The snuggle right method. Yeah, the, the the snuggle method of fascist expansion. Um, now the ranks of the Bund were open to American citizens of German descent, um, which was really fucking loose because they wanted ton, uh, like I could have joined the Bund. I have German somewhere in my bloodline. What percentage I'm, do you need? You don't. Oh, <laughs> I like this. Oh, cool. You know, I'm also not a fan of the Jews. Welcome to the Bund. <laughs> yeah. I'm not German at all. Well, don't worry. Hitler's Austrian. Welcome to the boom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and, the, and the whole thing was wrapped in just as many swastikas as you can imagine. Mm. Um, Baker's dozen. Like, they would fly the swastika right alongside the American flag. That's not good. No. Uh, also, totally not something we see now every day. Uh, uh, though- Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. It was a chance. Like in the neighborhood? Yeah. Well, no, no, not around here. Okay. Uh, just Confederate flags, because- Noted Confederate state, Washington. Military bases. Yes. And the behind every Ala- soldier from Don't Alabama's truck. Fucking tr- okay, cool. I have a truck, asshole. You're a Mexican from California. If you flew a Confederate flag, you have other problems I to handle. I would be- question myself <laughs> every time I look into the rearview mirror like, what are you? Yeah. As you should. 
I do that still because I don't know Spanish. <laughs> uh, I don't know Armenian, so we're both good. Hey. Uh, now, the, the Boone's first leader, a guy named uh, Fritz Julius Kuhn. Um, oh, boy. Wow. <laughs> Problematic name. What? <laughs> There's so many names in there. Uh, so... He was known as an ultra comfort or like one of the original OG, ultra comfy uh, ultra comfort uh, is one of the OG Nazis who joined the party before 1930 and earned a reputation literally fighting in the streets for the Nazis. That's not something you want to be an OG of. I mean, if you're a Nazi, it is. I mean, yeah, that's cool. Now, if you're thinking that the Bund was a small organization, you'd be very, very wrong. They opened several training camps, which were organized as summer camps for all the little good Aryan children in mostly upper New York State and Pennsylvania. Like uh, a little SS kids? Yeah. Uh, I mean, effectively Hitler Youth. Um, how many people do you think these camps attract? I need you to be... Is a- it like a... I'm going to go with a, uh, a Six Flags Day, maybe a few thousand. Tens of thousands. Holy shit. <laughs> Every summer. So a Six Flags. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, six Flags. But, for the Nazis. Yeah. But uh, Six Flags uh, over Berlin. Uh, no fun. Fun is not authorized. No laughing. No joy. Uh, you, you remember like the, the shitty Six Flags skit where the old guy creepy. Yeah. Old, it's that, but he's <laughs> dancing into a death camp. Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Goose stepping all <laughs> yeah, the way. Goose, goose stepping into a gas chamber. Um, now, like I said before, they were flying the American flag right alongside the Nazi flag. Uh, Controversial. And, and they like they tried to Americanize Nazism to the point they said George Washington was the first fascist. <laughs> he flew the first swastika ever. You know what? George Washington uh, cut down a cherry tree just to spite the Jews. Like, huh. All right. You're really reaching here. <laughs> this seems like a stretch. They held a massive rally at... Uh, so, if you were to, to say that I could, they could fill up Madison Square Garden uh, for a Nazi rally, would you believe me? Because there's a video of it. I mean, now I do. <laughs> I wouldn't believe you if you didn't tell me 20, this. 20,000 people showed up. It's not good. This event broke out into violence as anti-fascist counter-protesters were savagely beaten by the boon as they were protected oh, by the cops. fuck. <laughs> Never mind. Time is a flat circle! <laughs> what? <laughs> yep. NYPD protected the boon as they literally beat Jewish counter-protesters half to death. I was kind of, because as you saw, my hand went up thinking, oh, these guys are going to go beat some Nazi ass. It immediately went down. Well, they were badly outnumbered. Yeah. No, it's unfortunate that the, the, the Antifa is the true Nazis, you know, totally unfortunate uh, when they're the ones getting beaten up by actual fucking Nazis protected by the cops. <sighs> I'll be in Oregon for the next few. Full weeks. of Nazis, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Also protect. Don't go to Portland. Uh, it's not good. Uh, there's actually a thing that uh, there's a donut shop in Portland I want to go to. Oh, Voodoo's? It's delicious. Yeah. Is it? Um, oh yeah. Uh, oh, the Portland oh. Police Bureau recently came out and it showed that they had a uh, very very close relations to multiple definitely neo-Nazi organizations like Patriot Prayer. That's not good. It's not good. That's something you don't want to be close to. No, not unless you're a Nazi. Because mm. <laughs> you know, if I had a friend who joined Patriot Prayer, you know what I'd have? I wouldn't have a friend anymore. <laughs> I feel like you probably not not a friend. You probably know some people. I mean, I was in the army long exactly. enough and knew enough people. I definitely know someone that's like, you know what? Did six million really die? 
Like I, I probably definitely know I somebody honestly, that's like that. I can go to work tomorrow and ask the whole a whole formation of random ass guys. You'll get at least one like it's 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 a it's an idea. It's a stretch. Say, say what you will, but he made the trains run on time. God damn it! This, this is a guy I can't talk to. Yeah. What What's your first name, Private Heinz? Oh, God fuck. damn it! <laughs> there was a guy. I knew. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> I won't ask you to go into that story because no, it totally outs it's your unit. It's really bad. But it's good. Um, now, eventually, the boon began to fall apart because they became so embarrassing that even Nazi Germany didn't want to give them money anymore because they were totally bankrupt really? by Nazi Germany. They even told them to stop flying the swastika. Hey, you guys are really cramping our style. Like, imagine being so embarrassing the Nazis were like, whoa. Uh, cramping also, their style, dude. Also, Kuhn got thrown in prison for embezzlement and had a citizenship stripped. And he was thrown to POW camp and deported to the ruins of post-war Germany in 1945. Well, there's a lot of stuff going on here. He was then imprisoned in Germany in 1947 and died poor and alone. Like Jesus all Nazis Christ. should. <laughs> Fuck, he had a lunch. Rest in piss, bitch. <laughs> It's weird that he peaked early, filling Madison <laughs> yeah. Square Garden with Nazis. And then died with yeah. piss on. <laughs> I, I hope, like, it's a tradition to be like, all right, everybody, let's go shit on Fritz's grave. Come on, it's time to go to a ceremony. Oh, is it uh, a beautiful ceremony? Very. The most beautiful. Very yellow. We, we piss on a Nazi's grave. Yes. You know the problem with pissing on Nazi graves is? Is there not enough? You eventually pee? run out of piss, yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, but America wasn't the only country gripped with the love of fascism before the outbreak of World War II. An organization that was even more popular than the Bund was the British Union of Fascists. Uh, because they're not even trying to hide it. British Union of Fascists. The Boof. The Boof. The Buff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bo- I want to go with Boof. I'm calling him Boof because that means butt chug. <laughs> <laughs> you ever butt chugged? Uh, I have not. <laughs> I feel like you've gotten close. I have not. All right. Uh, I've. I can, I can, you know, I've done a lot of really dumb things in my life, but I can honestly say I've never boofed anything. Something you don't want. <laughs> okay, this is where I have to ask. What have you boofed? <laughs> I have not boofed. I've seen an attempt at a boof. Did it turn into more of a buff? No, it turned into, like, it hurt. The plastic doesn't work well with a rectum. One. It hurts, apparently. So there's so this many isn't questions from, I need to ask. The dude uh, ended up going to the mouth. <laughs> so he went asked about that himself. Yes. <laughs> it was absolutely fucking terrible. It was at a it was by the small oh air it was by the small airfield right by Fort Hood where everybody went to go do bonfires at. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. You tune in to Lions Led by Donkeys for the history. You stay for the auto ask the for mouth. For the boof. <laughs> to mouth. <laughs> Now, uh, the boof, it turns out, has a symbol that is hilariously close to that of the Tampa Bay Lightning hockey team. Really? Absolutely. <laughs> it will be the cover of this episode. The Tampa Bay Lightnings? <laughs> the Tampa Bay Union of Fascists, yeah. Who's, who's the starting line? <laughs> no, seriously, the, the, the boof's uh, fucking symbol looks like the lightning symbol, but just red. Yeah, I didn't know that. It is hilarious. Like I immediately like, holy fuck, it's the lightning coincidence. Like I don't, I don't know if uh, the 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 owner's situation is the boof. It, it might be a boofer. Uh, but He's like, like, hold on, hold on, I need to make this uh, completely. Uh, what if you're fucking you buy a NHL team and like, oh god, we accidentally made the simple fascist. 
That's like the the new team in Seattle's like, oh fuck! What oh you- my god, the fucking name! Oh, uh, what if we? Oh shit! That's supposed to be the Buddhist sign of good luck. We fucked up. Oh no! We're the swastikas. Back to the NHL Seattle team. <laughs> Terrible name. It's all bad. It's, it's all- not good. This is Krakens. What- There's what- only one Kraken. It's the the rum. No, it's <laughs> ooh the rum. Right. Well, also, uh, Seattle known for its ah Krakens. Hi. It's all dumb. This is what happens when a bunch of fucking brain dead tech idiots. Is there a cracking in the sound? No, we don't know that. Uh, a lot of salmon that have been dosed with antidepressants, though, which is the which is truly the symbol of Washington State. It just, really is. Just a really fucking depressed salmon. <laughs> What's your symbol? <sighs> Let's go play hockey. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Do you think it's just one of one of these? <laughs> just like a little shrug, like. It's like uh, like the old Prozac commercials, but it's the salmon. Yeah, like, you know the emoji it's, where it, it looks goes like, like a this? Tamagotchi. Yeah, oh, but yeah. their jerseys are gonna be like. <sighs> <laughs> They're gonna. The, it's the only ice hockey arena sponsored by the suicide hotline, and it can't have an o- like an overhead. It has to have just the rain downpouring <laughs> on the <laughs> all the time. Yeah. We only play games in the fall. Now the booth was established in 1932 and led by one Sir Oswald Mosley. Who was once a Tory Minister of Parliament? Now it's weird how. All right, Nick, I see you're giving me weird looks here, and maybe some of our listeners will think the same. Tory is a uh, British conservative. Thank you. Yep. I thought you were talking about judo. No, uh, he was not your partner. I hope not. Neither. Okay. Uh, now, I, I would hope not too. <laughs> it, it is real. Is really weird how conservatism, uh, conservatism, and fascism always just kind of bleed around the edges into one another. Ooh. Weird how that works. Several members of the rich and powerful members of the British elite quickly came to support the Boof. I am just saying Boof as much as I possibly can. It's so funny. This includes press barons, like the guy who run who press ran, bearings, press barons, as in royalty. Mm, press bearings, literal royalty. Uh, like the guy who ran noted shit rag, the Daily Mail. Uh, eventually, their membership would swell around fifty thousand. A lot of Boof. <laughs> <laughs> It's a whole bunch of British people. I, I just see boof a whole plate of fish and chips. I just see boof, <laughs> fupa, like all this just comes into bam, boof. I would, I, I think their flag should just be uh, British royalty attempting to butt chug fish and chips. <laughs> Our <laughs> problems are oh, ew. <laughs> Our problems are not with the economy. It is that we cannot butt chug our way out of any problem. Uh, now, they also had a lot of mainstream support for the Nazi, for Nazi Germany in general. Uh, it, it, this shouldn't come as too much a surprise as the British royal family's original name was the Sex Cobra Gotha. The Sex Cobra Goth. <laughs> nice. Sex Cobra Goth. All the way up until World War One, when they changed it to the House of Windsor. So lame. They, so they Fucking lame. sound so German. It's literally the freedom cabbage of last names. Um, this, they went from hot topic to mainstream. Yeah, like, uh, this included King Edward of England, who applauded Nazi Germany's post-war recovery. Ooh, yeah. Now, if you're thinking this is because nobody knew their horrible homicidal anti-Semitism yet, you'd be very, very wrong. Uh, the Boof embraced anti-Semitism pretty much immediately, and Edward himself really didn't give a shit, saying, "Quote: It's not our business of ours to interfere in Germany's internal affairs." R.E. the Jews. Okay. Yikes. Now, uh, he also added, quote, dictators are very popular these days. We might have one in England before long, said the king. 
What? <laughs> what? <laughs> An ally of the Boof was a group called the Right Club. That's not a good because they're not name. good at naming things. Yeah. And a member of that club. Now, there's going to be a lot of layers here. This this is background. Like an onion. I'm not going into the history of British fascism because that would literally be the history of Britain. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is just like I'm going to condense it really, 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 really far in there. All right. So the right club had a member named Anna Woltkoff, who was friends with someone named Woltkoff. Was friends with someone named Wallace Simpson, who was American, actually. Uh, who would eventually marry the future King Edward. Simpson would claim to have fucked Joachim von Ribbentrop, who was, uh, yeah, uh, the ambassador oh. to England for Nazi Jochen. Germany. Weird flex there. There's also a very good chance that they were passing information back and forth while she was hitting up both dudes for dick appointments at the same talk. time. Yeah, but like you're fucking the King of England and also a Nazi agent. Weird bleed there. Nice. In 1937, the couple toured Nazi Germany, and upon return, they taught the present Queen of England, who was then a toddler, how to do a Nazi salute, which was captured on film. Ooh-wee. Yep. Yikes. I'm not blaming the Queen here. No, this no, no, is no, no, not no. her fault. No. She de- No, fuck yeah. She's fuck a, her. She's a toddler. Um, she, uh, so he eventually abdicated, uh, abdicated the throne only a few months after he took it after the death of his father, which was probably for all the best as both British and American intelligence agencies were both worried that the king was kind of a Nazi. Like, to the point that, like, MI6 tailed him everywhere he went. Really? Yeah. Back then? Yep. <laughs> like, fuck, we can't fire him. He's, he doesn't have a job. He's the king. Uh, We could just stalk him. We could gang stalk him. Yeah, let's gang stalk the king. Yeah, uh, so they're like, oh, God. that Really, the best thing that he could have done was abdicate the throne. Also, maybe don't have kings. Yeah. Kings are bad. All kings are bad. Uh, now, with the introduction out of the way, let's dive into this week's episode. The reason why I talked about the various fascist loyalties that spread throughout uh, what we consider allied countries is to make this episode make a little bit more sense. Uh, like if I were to say tens of thousands of members of a British fascist organization that might be a problem when the entire country is mobilized to go to war against the premier fascist power in the world. Like, they probably shouldn't be in uniform. Bad things will happen. Yeah. And there were tens of thousands of volunteers and conscripts from mainland Europe that poured into the ranks of the Waffen-SS during the coast of World War II. Uh, most of these were from Nordic countries uh, and other Germanic-speaking countries. Um, now, this is not this is not the case before 1934 when Heinrich Himmler set pretty strict requirements uh, in his membership of his legion of soft penis assholes. Um, you, you were supposed to be a German national. Uh, you're supposed to be able to trace your heritage back to 1800 uh, between the ages of 17 and 23, have perfect teeth and eyesight, and be at least 5'9". Because people back then were just a bit shorter. Uh, once the war started, all that was pretty much thrown out the window because like, Guess we need more bodies. Yeah. Uh, they got around little details like this. Uh, Do you like, think if uh, SS or Nazi Twitter or fucking Facebook vet bro Nazism or some shit was around, like, back then the standards were higher, and then they just started letting all the other Nazis in? Oh, totally, yeah. They'd definitely be, they'd definitely be around. I mean, uh, T-shirts. Imagine like a, I would say imagine a Nazi vet bro company, but like they already exist. Uh, <laughs> Um, but I mean, it, something kind of did exist after the war. It's called like the HIAG, 
which was like a literally a Waffen SS advocacy group for veterans. Yep. I think it was Himmler's daughter who ran it. Oh, yeah. It was actually one of their things to normalize the SS. There's no normalizing that. It largely succeeded. Really? Yeah. Uh, which is uh, a different episode, in my opinion, like the clean Wehrmacht theory. Mm. Like their whole thing is like the SS were just soldiers like the Wehrmacht. Oh, okay, gotcha. And, and it largely succeeded um, to the point now that historians and even podcasters like myself scream at a wall trying to tell you that, no, the Wehrmacht were not just soldiers. They were actually just like one or two steps down from supervillains. But yeah, we'll get there someday. Gotcha. Uh, now, once the war started, like I said, Himmler's uh, standards fell quite a bit. This includes like a fuckload of Eastern Europeans who were kind of sort of considered subhuman, according to the Nazis. Uh, by saying uh, now they got around this by saying they weren't actually in the SS they were under SS command even though they wore the same uniforms held the same ranks wore SS runes but they weren't SS because they were like ew Slavs yeah yeah. around a half a million people ended up in service this way uh, many of them volunteers many of them conscripts it's kind of hard to tell sometimes moral of the story is racists are fucking stupid now, uh, most of the volunteers and conscripts came from places that had been taken over or at least allied with the Nazis. This is not the case with some. Uh, which brings me to the Armenian Legion. Hey. Yeah, we fell for it, nice. too. Uh, now, it was formed out you of- You guys get a piece of the pie. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, like a lot of places, uh, it was formed by Soviet POWs from Armenia. Um, now, the Soviet Union was- kind of popular, kind of not popular. Armenians have always had a very, very strong line of nationalism throughout their history because the long and short of it is we've never really had our own country until about 1991. Uh, all, all the other times that uh, Armenians have tried to start countries, it's been almost immediately taken over. So, like, we have a complex. And the Nazis appealed to that nationalism by saying, if you fight for us, we'll help liberate your homeland from Soviet Union. Oh. Uh, or maybe it was like, maybe I don't really care about my Armenian homeland, but this fucking prison camp sucks dicks. I'd really rather like not be in a fucking Soviet pr- or uh, a Nazi prison camp for Soviet POWs, which like is like the one of the, it's like the second worst place to be outside of like Auschwitz during World War II. So like, I get the, I get why they did it. Makes sense. Or the DMV line. Yeah, that also. Um, I mean, the DMV line in 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 in, in Nazi Germany was just ran by the same people. <laughs> yeah, and just went into a death camp. Um, now. Uh, the the Armenian Legion outside of its commander was largely apolitical. He was definitely a fascist, uh, but he's largely been forgiven for dumb reasons because, of our, like I already talked about Armenian nationalism, it's dumb. Nationalism is always stupid. Um, now, to have a really weird corner here, um, a lot of Jews ended up in the Armenian Legion because phrenology, are you familiar with the concept of phrenology? No. It is, um, to make a very long, dumb story, very short and dumb, I can measure your face and tell what race you are. Okay, gotcha. Shape your skull, your I've, nose. I've heard of it. Gotcha. By, by using Nazi phrenology, uh, they thought a lot of Jews were Armenians. And the Armenians like, yeah, they're Armenians. So a lot of the Armenian legion was actually Jews. Oh. Literally riding out their time. Um, so you're escaping, Jewish. Escaping the Holocaust. Gotcha. By pretending to be Armenian. Um, and the Armenian Legion didn't do a ton of fighting. Like at one point they were stationed in like France and uh, went on a mutiny. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, another case was the uh, Russian Liberation Army, which was found by another POW named Andrei Vlasov. 
who was captured and then suddenly became a totally anti-Stalinist and pro-Hitler kind of guy because he didn't want to be in a POW camp. I'd imagine. Uh, this is the largest of all these experiments because their ranks grew like a lot from Soviet POWs, of which there was literally millions. Um, and they eventually grew to be about 50,000. Um, now, some of these German purposes for these groups are pretty obvious. Uh, they make it look like they're an invasion of your homeland. It's actually a liberation because, like, look, I have a Russian front. It, it, or, like, look, I have a whole legion of Armenians. You got numbers. Yeah. Um, now, the unit we're talking about is much, much different. The British Free Corps was not the idea of some British POW tramped at a camp and desperate for the comforts of things like food, water, and warmth, or maybe just like, I don't want to die of diphtheria. Uh, it was instead the brainchild. When you run out of dip. <laughs> That's exactly what that means. It sounds nicer than actual diphtheria. Uh, it, it was instead the brainchild of a British citizen and not a soldier named John Avery. Sorry, John Amory. John Amory is his name. Okay. Um, Amory was born in Chelsea um, and was the son of a British statesman named Leo Amory who was the conservative member of parliament and a later member uh, a government minister and his mother was a Hungarian Jew Ooh. Yeah. Uh, his dad for the record was a very prominent man in British politics he had stints in the, as the first lord of the admiralty colonial secretary and helped drafted the Balfour Declaration and at the time of World War II, was the Secretary of State for India and Burma. He also did everything he could to kill any investigation into the 1943 Bengal famine, something that can largely be described as an engineered famine turned genocide perpetrated on the people of Bengal by the British government. So yeah, he's a real fucking asshole. Like, you've heard the Holodomar. The Bengal, famil- Beng- Bengal famine is the Holodomar of the British Empire. You know, I haven't heard of that, the Bengal famine. It is largely, so it is an episode unto itself, if not a series. But what it comes down to, uh, to make this painfully short, was Bengal was experiencing a famine. Um, and one of their main exports was food uh, for the British Empire and British troops. Um, they did not slow down those exports uh, during a famine, mm. effectively dooming millions of people to starve to death. Um, they did it on purpose because like well our troops need the food oh like this state is dying yeah <laughs> i mean it was also so British, uh, uh winston churchill was in charge who was deeply deeply racist against indian people so like that definitely had a thing to do with it also this is just what empires do so like yeah it's not surprising it was a genocide gotcha all right um it's it's not a very popular uh opinion that i hold especially among mainstream european uh history majors like myself uh they kind of just chalk it up to like oh it was a famine india had a lot of famines which it did but like if you have a situation where people are starving to death and you withdraw their food you are dooming them to death right uh it is a genocide um but yep and if people have a problem with that you can go fuck yourself uh, <laughs> uh but yeah amory's dad huge asshole moving on sounds like it You can argue about whether this makes him a bigger asshole than his son, who was a literal Nazi. Uh, His son was was also a huge fuck-up. This guy doesn't have good blood. Got weak blood! (laughs) Uh, John was determined uh, to be his own man, independent of his father, who was totally powerful government minister since he was a kid. Fuck Um, you, Dad! I can be my own man! He he was determined not to ride on his dad's coattails. 
Uh, and he failed completely and totally at this. I wish I could write on He went broke multiple times yeah. by the time he was 21 and had to end up turning back to daddy for money. Ooh. Now, then his wife left him because, of course, <laughs> is he a private in the army? <laughs> of course she did. Uh, nope. Never was enlisted. He was just, a, right, he was just, just a rich kid. Sure. Uh, so he eventually picked up and moved to mainland Europe where he decided to tour around a bit and see how fascism was working in places like Austria, Italy, and Germany. A fascist tourist is a thing. Mm. Yeah. Never <laughs> going to end well. Of tourists. Yeah. Now you just have to go literally anywhere in the Western world. <laughs> uh, now, he claimed in letters that he had fought in uh, Francisco Franco's nationalist uh, cause during the Spanish Civil War alongside the Condor Legion of Nazi Germany. There's actually no evidence of that. Uh, See, so though, the only issue not. we have of this is uh, there's no proof. That's the only issue. And it's a small, small issue. Yeah, but but he seemed like, but no, no, I totally did. Like the best source to have is Nazi valor. Yeah, the best source <laughs> to have is no source. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the Alex that's Jones the way, way of doing I like things. To look at things. Uh, there was evidence that he did smuggle weapons from France into Spain, so I guess that's something. You did something. Yeah, you. you but you're still a Nazi, so like. Yeah, it's like that drill tweet. It turns out I do not have to hand it to you. <laughs> yeah. uh, when when he was done playing fascist soldier or not with that daddy's money, he decided to settle in France. Mm. And what can I can on the countryside? Uh, I think it was in Paris. Uh, oh. And what I could only assume was one of the best days of his life. The Nazis invaded France and took it over. <laughs> he was just like, Ooh, they came. <laughs> uh, unfortunately for him, where he lived actually fell under Vichy France. No, oh, fuck. <laughs> he was like, "Damn it, I got the French Nazis." <laughs> uh, but also, like, they they were like soft Nazis, really super religious and weird. It's hard to really nail down Vichy France other than like they're fucking puppets. Uh, I'm glad they all got lined up against the wall and shot at the end of the war. I'm still laughing at the fact that he's like, "Yes, finally," and then just like order. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Suddenly, the fascist has like de- rapidly develops an open border policy. <laughs> we don't need a wall, guys. Uh, just let just let me go to Nazi Germany. Um, and he his main problem with Vichy France is like they weren't Nazi enough. <laughs> uh, eventually, two years. So he had attempted to travel, obtain uh, uh, travel documents because like weird thing about these fascist empires, they they don't let people have freedom of movement. And he's like, hey, I'd really like to like go to Berlin. And uh, Vichy France is like. No. Huh. Turns out this fascism thing kind of sucks. <laughs> uh, but like after two years of trying and making a couple connections, he did get a travel permit. He got a fixer? Got a, he got a fixer. Uh, he got to go to uh, uh, actual Nazi Germany. Nice. Not like soft Nazi France. Um, Plus. During that time, he pitched the idea of an anti-communist British legion that would totally serve within the Waffen-SS. Who did he pitch it to? Hitler himself. What? <laughs> Hitler loved him so much, uh, probably just because. How of, did he get there? Uh, he was a he was a British guy in Nazi Empire Germany France whatever, uh, who was totally a fascist. So it's like, hey, look, it's a monkey that can dance. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he was like a sideshow. Like Hitler loved like, him so much that he um, he signed him to be his personal guest so he could stay in Germany. Uh, and he began to make pro-Nazi broadcasts into England, urging the British people to fight against communism. This is kind of like, you might find some parallels here. Most hard anti-communist groups are fascists. And that's like, 
their their tagline. That's like I think we've talked about this before about uh, uh, Nazis and racists in the ranks in the military. Is it's like it's the test question. Oh, you hate communists? Come in a little closer. Yeah. It's like mm. it's like telling a racist joke and seeing if somebody laughs. Like ah, you're a racist also, and like quite legitimately, there's some people who did hate communists and were not fascists. It's like the guys when they say I have a joke and then they start looking around, they look over their shoulders, yeah. like this isn't good. Oh, Don't tell it. Oh god. I mean, the, the, quite legitimately, some people did hate communists and they were not fascists. But this is how they get co-opted into a fascist movement, and they're like oh god, it's almost like you're filtering. Yeah, yeah, and, and like the not like to be a very hardcore Nazi. You're like the sediment at the bottom of that filter. Mm. You got to work your way all the way down. And like, but they didn't want to sell themselves as like, yeah, we're huge fans of Hitler. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> you don't want to start a strong. No, we just don't. We really don't like communists. Like this whole um, universal health care thing is really suspicious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Hitler may have liked Amory. Uh, but that doesn't mean he was actually going to listen to his ideas. So Amory kind of sat around doing nothing for a year because, like, Hitler had more important things to do than, like, just listen to this guy. He had, like, an entire continent to burn down. Oh, I thought he was doing, like, Nazi things. The Rubik's Cube. Just Nazi stuff. For a whole year. Uh, and then... Uh, Hitler, they're invading us. Fuck! Hold on. I gotta I- get the blue side done! That was actually how he turned into a, a genocidal maniac. He's like, if I just killed all the blue ones... Everything would match. Wow. <laughs> so the Rubik's Cube? Rubik's Cube is at fault of the Holocaust. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's rough to hear. Um, now, but one thing that did get Amory a boost is he ran to a member of the French Waffen SS volunteers, the SS Charlemagne, which, unlike the British Free Corps, were a highly successful SS unit. Uh, using this connection, he was finally given a green light to attempt to recruit his fellow British Nazis. Like many others, he was going to appeal to British and Dominion soldiers who were stuck in POW camps. He went to the St. Denis POW camp outside of Paris and gathered up a group of men to listen to his speech. And then they booed him and threw stuff at him, <laughs> which is what you should do to Nazis. That's what I, that's Not what a I single do. fucking guy who joined him. That's what I want to do at some briefs. That's a break. Hey, mandatory brief. Let's go. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> I brought bricks from home! <laughs> They fucking boot him. That's yeah, they bricked awesome. his ass. I mean, <laughs> a, at awesome. any point, a, a Nazi stands up on a podium and, and demands your attention. Immediately. Immediately brick him. Immediately. Uh, if there's a guy that defends him, brick, brick him, him too. too. Brick him harder. <laughs> we need a shirt. <laughs> That's a bricking. <laughs> uh, these bricks are rated E for everybody. <laughs> uh, but a, a failure he may have been. And he was. Uh, he was not a quitter because he didn't know to quit while should've he was quit. ahead. Yeah. He should have quit a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he should have killed himself. Like, the world would be a better place. I'm not pro-suicide. Pro- Until I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he continued to tour the POW camps until he finally hit fucking pay dirt. A single person who would listen to him. Would you do like a fucking USO tour? Kind of. But, like, somehow worse. It's just Bob Hope be like, how about them Jews? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's all the people who are like, so much for the tolerant left. (laughs) Until like, so it's Steven Crowder is what it is. Definitely. Um, That man's name was Kenneth Edward Jordan Berry. Sounds like it. Because he's British. He's got to have like six fucking names. Yeah. Barry was from Devon, 
or Devon. I think it's Devon, and would and ran away from home after well, being out con- of spite. Say it wrong, Devon. <laughs> it's, he's a cologne now. Yes. Now, Barry ran away from home after being convicted of stealing a golf ball and a sandwich. That fucker. Yeah. At the time, that would get you fifteen years in the Tower of London or something. Hang him. Yeah. Draw and quarter him. Like, wait, where is he from? Ireland. Draw and quarter him. <laughs> what is it that you said, Private Barry? Uh, <clears throat> up the raw, sir. <laughs> now, uh, when he he had no way, like he had nowhere to go. He was a runaway. He was fourteen. So he holy l- shit. So he lied and said he was fifteen. Oh. So he could join the Merchant Navy as a boy seaman. No jokes. That's not. That's his title. <laughs> Don't make fun of his rank. <laughs> Mike down, Nick. Uh, now that's like it's weird that he lied to say he was 15, but like to this day, the British military like totally has a problem with child soldiering, like boy seamans. Like they has a huge problem with boy seamans. <laughs> yeah, I would too. Uh, much like the Catholic Church. Um, Ooh. Is that shit? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, like I think they you enjoyed can, mine. You can join uh, the British military like at around the same age now. I think he just wanted the title. Nobody wants that title. It's like I know people who were in the navy. My priest did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I know people who were uh, in the navy, and of course I joke like, "So you were seaman?" Like, no, actually, I was a mechanics mate. Second class, like so. You're a <laughs> they seaman. Do that. Yeah. I have a soldier now who was, just came from the navy, and I, I gotta crack navy jokes all the time. Um, now, not long into his service, his boat was sank, uh, was sunk by a torpedo, and he fell into the hands of the Nazis and thrown into a POW camp. Now, it turns out that uh, he may have been about 14 years old, but this doesn't mean he was uh, easy to hold on to because he immediately broke out and ran to Paris. The Nazis really like boy seaman. <sighs> Not going to escape that joke for the rest of this episode, huh? Yeah, I'll get over it. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, it's rumored that like while he was escaped, because he's free for quite some time, he became some kind of like, black market smuggler. I got some baguettes. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fr- just Paris this time. Everybody's like, oh, it's been weeks since I've had escargot. <laughs> Yo, I smuggled this in my asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my prison pocket. <laughs> <laughs> now... Uh, he was eventually arrested by the Gestapo. Uh, and also, I have no idea if he really was a black market smuggler. It's just like a rumor. And I'm going to believe he was not simply because I don't want to ruin this. He was not a bright guy, mostly because he was 14. I'd imagine so. He was 14, probably attended like two days and of school. And he just went life. to this brief that this guy gave. So I'd imagine he's yeah, not he, that bright. Not, not a sharp tack. Uh, no. Now, once the Gestapo started talking to him, they didn't have to torture him. He's immediately flipped on everybody who helped him escape. Snitch. Which, like, am I, would I be any better? I don't fucking know. Like, stop with some awful shit. Like, tore up fingernails. I'm like, look, man, I'm still let you, I'm still let you save some energy here. As soon as you they did fuck it, you helped me escape. <laughs> what? They start beating themselves. Now, after that, he was brought back to the same camp he escaped from. So it should kind of come as no surprise that, uh, uh, he was kind of a pariah after that. Like, hey, that's a guy that's a fucking narc. Nice. Uh, so it shouldn't be too much of a shock when Amory found the, the teenage, almost entirely uneducated boy receptive to his ideas. Uh, it didn't hurt that much that uh, Barry thought Amory was actually his dad. Like the important one. Because 
like that was an official. He had official job in the British government. Like he thought Amory was an official from the British government. Okay, which probably makes a whole lot more sense when you're 15. I don't know. I guess. Now the Nazis had high hopes for their free corps, and Amory was not delivering, so he was fired and shuffled away somewhere else. I got one. Yeah, <laughs> I got this kid who's kind of dumb, but he has buttholes full of escargot. Oh, God. <laughs> now. <laughs> in order to dial up the recruitment efforts, uh, the Nazis created several so-called holiday camps. Uh, these camps, as their name suggests, fun. were not <laughs> fun for the whole... Uh, no, not, not fun for the whole family. Uh. They were not normal POW camps. The guards all spoke English, and conditions were much better than normal ca- uh, POW camps. Like, you got... You weren't starving. Were they like a Chick-fil-A for Nazis? Yeah, it was still closed on Sunday. Uh. Turns out Chick-fil-A for Nazis... Just chick fil <laughs> Yeah. Weird. Uh, God damn, their chicken's good, though. But their waffle fries are just kind of nailed out to look like swastikas. <laughs> it's just swastika fries. <laughs> Delicious. Ninja uh, Star. Now, like, uh, they were supposed to be comfortable there, and everybody kind of knew the purpose of these camps. Like, oh, they're trying to flip us. Like, a British general's like, everybody knew what those camps were about. <laughs> like, people would show up to the camps like, fuck this shit, send me back to the regular camp. Um, now... The Nazis combed the ranks of the British POWs for people who might be more inclined to working with them. If you were thinking that's where the former members of the Boof come in, you'd be correct. Mm. Uh, or pretty much anybody who like had some pretty strong opinions against communists and socialists. Because those two things are the same. Um, while this did work on some people, most POWs were not about to play this shit. They rejected the fake bullshit Nazi friendship and demanded to be sent back to regular POW camps where they could be cold and starve like everybody else. That was I like the diet that I was on. I would like to like really look like Jesus on the cross. Ooh, Jesus had a six pack where I uh, went to church. Call, yeah, I mean, it's weird that he was so ripped. He was fucking ripped. He was yoked. <laughs> I mean, it's like that picture of Jesus like flexing his arms, busting off the cross. Um, that would hurt. Yeah. Just the nails. It's attached, ah! it's attached to his hands. Um, now, that was not always the case oh, for some of these. Pinky toe is small. <laughs> that was not always the case for some of these POWs. Uh, the perks going along with the Nazis was pretty obvious as they were force fed propaganda to help that along. The men did not think they were going to fight. They thought they were being told that they were going to like be a little more than like a propaganda tool. Like, hey, look, we got a British Nazi. That means we're not invading England. We're liberating it. It's not a good pitch. No, nah, it sucks. Afterwards, they would uh, tur- tour the camps kind of like Amory did and try to win over more people. Sounds like a shitty recruiter. It's not good. I mean, but he's a Nazi. Like, if, if you're, like, not receptive to fascism, what else has he got? Uh, uh, how do you feel about women? I think they're not as good as me. Welcome. <laughs> uh, now, not all of them were from the camps, though. One man was a guy named Thomas Haller Cooper. He was just a British fascist who happened to be living in Nazi Germany at the time. He was also a member of the Booth and had been rejected by the London Met Police, the Navy, and the Air Force because his, not because he was a fascist. You, 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 you want to guess why? I have not his the His mom was idea. German. Really? Not the fact that he was a fascist was bad, but his mom was... Mom's a kraut! Can't have that here! <laughs> Fascism we're fine with, though. <laughs> So he eventually moved to Germany in 1938 and uh, joined the SS. Close enough. Yep. Uh, there's a very good chance he actively took part in the Holocaust uh, because he bragged about it. That's not something you brag about. If you're a Nazi, it is. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. 
but he was eventually uh, sent to the Eastern Front and wounded because that's what happens when they shoot back. That's what happens when you go to the Eastern Front. Yeah, and, he, and nothing and, good comes from that. And while he was recovering, like, well, we have all these other Brits now. Uh, go over there. So that's where he was sent while he recovered from his wounds. Thank God. And Don't send me back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, many of the people that Amory and other recruiters brought uh, back from the POW camps did have a history of Booth membership prior to joining the British military. Um, like uh, George McLarty was one of the members, was a district treasurer for the Booth before joining the Royal Army Medical Corps and getting captured near Dunkirk. Though there's a fair amount of evidence to suggest wow, that he, he actually deserted to be captured on purpose. Though that's kind of, uh, it's, it's kind of, it's not for sure. I didn't see that in the movie. Yeah. The one guy running like, I'm really into <laughs> fascism, running off You the guys distance. are cool. Yeah. Now, with their nucleus intact, they began to come up with ranks, all German, and uniforms for the new unit, which are just SS uniforms with a cufflink that said British Free Corps. Yeah. Uh, the Germans were excited because things started to go so well. So they made 800 uniforms. And the Germans really like uniforms for some fucking they reason. They really do. They I mean, that's what happens to Hugo Boss as a military contractor. Yeah. Um, now, they made 800 of these British Free Corps uniforms. How many people filled them? Oh, we'll get to there. I'll say most of those went without even being touched. Uh, and then when they were selling the idea of the British Free Corps to more people in POW camps... Uh, they were telling them, like, we have two full divisions of volunteers with thousands on our side. Um, and they were con- people in the camps were constantly being told the Nazis are winning the war because, I mean, arguably at the time, they can't win. But, like, might as well join the winning side, you know? Uh, so more than a few signed on, probably just trying to save their own ass. Right. Uh, and get on to what they were told was, like, well, the UK is not going to be a thing for much longer anyway. We're going to have to be forced to join them. Might as well get on the ground floor. Uh, after volunteering, they were brought away from the POW camp and brought to an upscale hotel in Berlin. And this probably felt pretty sweet at first. And they quickly found out, however, that they'd been fucking duped. Rather- You're at a Motel 6 instead. <laughs> Welcome to the Econolage! <laughs> no! Uh, rather than thousands of volunteers, most groups found that they were the only ones there. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, where's the divisions? <clears throat> Wait, your last name isn't divisions? <laughs> hey. Nice. Uh, they were soon locked into hours-long lectures by McLarty and Nazism and the German language. They oh, were, fuck. They were forced to render Nazi salutes to one another and take written tests on what they learned. Most of the people who Which ended, hand do you use? Uh, I'm a lefty. To the camps! <laughs> uh, now, most of the people who ended up there almost immediately fucked off. Like, like nah. Dude, I'm out. Fuck this. Send me back to the camps. Um, and they were actually allowed to leave whenever they wanted. Like they're like, "Hey, I, I'm not down with this anymore. Send me back to the POW camps." They could go. It was literally that easy. Wow. Yeah. Then the Nazis didn't want the truth of the Free Corps getting out, like that it was a miserable failure. So, because uh, uh, like, if someone went back to the camp, there's a good chance like. Amory or somebody else would come by to do a, a PR speech to get more volunteers. Yeah. Like, Yo, that guy's full of shit. I was in the free corps yesterday. Yeah. It was horse shit. So like they didn't want it. They didn't want it to be found out that the British free corps is actually just like a couple shitty skinheads in a bar. Yeah, in the hotel, no continental breakfast. They charge you 15 marks for a drink. Uh, so instead of being sent back to POW camps, you're thrown in an actual prison in solitary confinement. 
which like somehow worse, but yeah. Though others did stay. Uh, if not a devotion to national socialism, but for the copious amounts of free booze and the ability to hit on German women. Yep, they'll do it. I mean, soldiers are soldiers are soldiers for that time. Yeah, like you give people sense. free booze, they'll probably stick around. They will. Though that number never climbed more than 27 people at a time. 27. Still need a few more to meet that 800. It was like 40 total over time, but like 27 at any one time. Uh, Despite the small number of people, it did not stop them from constantly fighting one another, both physically and verbally. About what? It was a kind of a power struggle uh, between the men involved. This was uh, between McLarty, a Kiwi named Roy Coilander, and Cooper. As uh, now, none of them had really any real ranks except Cooper, who had actually been in the SS. And he's like, "Well, I'm the only real soldier here, so I'm in charge." But like everybody else had been like, "Yeah, I'm a sergeant. I was a sergeant in the British Army. I was a boy seaman." You're, you're still a boy <laughs> seaman. <laughs> yeah, like that's just they just kept him at that rank. Yeah, like they they were arguing over ranks that they were just kind of blindly given by the German military, uh, and like and no chain of command was ever put in place. Uh, and the German officers who were put in place never bothered to control them because they didn't care. Um, I wouldn't care. No, I wouldn't either. Most of them were put there as a punishment um, or it was also told them like, this is temporary until we get a British officer to show up and take command of this whole fucking thing. It's almost like when you have to watch other people's extra duty soldiers. Yeah. I mean, you don't care all that much. You're only there until somebody else shows up to take over. And they... Finally did find a British officer who was receptive, but not for long. His name was Lieutenant William Shearer. He's a POW who worked at a nearby farm. He so, would with that name. Now, it was pretty common at the time for POWs to have to go work the fields for uh, for the Germans. It was some one of the f- uh, f- forms of forced labor that they had to do. But while doing so, he did what soldiers should absolutely not do, get a local girl pregnant. Shearer fucked. <laughs> All right. This turns out to be a crime punishable by death under Nazi codes. Like most crimes. Jaywalk, that's that's a murder. L- look at the next door neighbor girl too hard, that's a murder. What uh, isn't? Yeah, I don't know. Do a bunch of meth, that was kind of acceptable. Um, Something. Now, the Gestapo knew that he was the dad because the girl told them. So they're like, look, you're- oh, I thought they just brought the baby to his face and they're like, close enough. Looks just measure that nose. Uh, now, they're like, look, we know that you impregnated this girl, so you're in the Free Corps now, or we're going to execute you. So he's in the Free Corps now, <laughs> but there's a problem. Under circumstances, I'm your officer now. This late problem with William Shearer. He was an unmedicated schizophrenic and had a mental breakdown under Gestapo interrogation. After that, he refused to put on clothes, leave his room, eat or shower. He's your lieutenant now. <laughs> He's just sitting there naked. Yeah, the the Nazis like fuck it. He's not in the Free Corps. They they sent him to an asylum, and then later just gave him back to England during the war. Like we don't want this guy anymore. This guy's gnarly. Yeah, Barry, for his part, never took part in any of this, probably because he just mentally couldn't. Right. He was kind of I don't know what a good way of putting this. He was a simple lad. Uh, he would just kind of say s- lad. I said lad. Okay, I thought I said ad. Simple lad. Uh, he slept through of all, all of McCarty's lessons. Uh, <laughs> he never learned German. And right. because he's around 15, nobody really wanted to hang out with him either. Uh, 
Uh, and he didn't really have any interest in girls. This isn't a simple... This is just a 15-year-old. Yeah, so he spent most of his time hanging out in the zoo. All right. I'd never been to a zoo until that's, I was 20, like, that, four. That's, we used uh, one of our main missions in 2019 <laughs> in our podcast, Thank You to Zoo, and we did. Uh, he eventually ran into some former friends uh, from uh, in the POW camp when he was doing his speeches, because he was still brought around. Uh, and they told him, like, dude, you've been lied to. Germany's losing badly. You need to get the fuck out of the Free Corps. Uh, but he wasn't really sure how to get out of the Free Corps, even though, like, you could just say, hey, I'm done. Uh, so he was advised to run to the Swiss embassy, which was neutral, and they would take him in, funnel him back to England. But he didn't know where the Swiss embassy was in Berlin, so he just didn't go. Mm. <laughs> but he knew where the zoo was. He went on out in the zoo. Yep. McClarty eventually decided that the Free Corps fucking sucked because he's because they're not doing anything, and requested a transfer to the regular SS, which was given to him. Um, though. They were a failure. Um, now, uh, he thought that the Free Corps was a failure because Hitler decided that once the Free Corps hit 30 people, that they could be deployed into combat, but they never got more than 27 at a time. So if you're thinking that, like, McClarty was like, you know what, fuck this, I really just want to go see combat again, obviously I'm never going to go see the Free Corps. Uh, that was not the case. Uh, McClarty went to a normal SS unit in 1945 and quickly learned that, oh, shit, we're getting our, we're, we're losing badly. Because um, uh, he went to the Eastern Front in 1945. Oh, God. Uh, he managed to get leave approved, which. How? I don't know. It seems harder to do in the U.S. Army today. And how did he do it on the Eastern Front? So after he got his leave approved, he changed into civilian clothes and ran for it. Uh, after which he was captured by Americans while pretending to be a Belgian. Though his disguise was quickly seen through because he couldn't speak French. Oh, I just thought they asked him, make some chocolate. <laughs> make me waffles. Um, he was eventually handed over to the British, thrown in prison for life, and uh, in 1946. Um, but he was later commuted to 15 years, and he moved back to Germany in 1953, where he died peaceful in the 1980s. That happened a lot. Is if that our ending? No, no, no. We're, oh, we're okay. Gonna, Thank God. Uh, we're going to go through a lot of the main players of 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 the Free Corps. Um, but like, this is pretty pretty normal for war criminals, traitors, whatever. They get like a life sentence. And immediately get commuted to something else. It's weird. Like, it's either you got death or you're Rudolf Hess and you died in prison or whatever. Right. But, yeah. Remember how uh, I said that the Germans wanted 30 people before they were just sending these guys in the right. combat? Uh, well, it turns out beggars couldn't really be choosers, and they sent them to war anyway. Uh, in March of 1945, they were attached to the 11th SS Panzer Grenadier Division Nordland, uh, another unit largely made up of foreign volunteers from Nordic countries. If the name wasn't a dead giveaway. Yeah. Turns out they're all from Florida. It was weird. Uh, Are you serious? No. I would totally believe that. There was some stories of uh, Americans turning and joining the Nazis. Could not find any. Uh, But yeah. I'm sure one or two did and probably died uh, before their story got brought out. Though it turns out nobody was really eager to send them into actual combat. Despite being a frontline unit um, core members were sent out to act as janitors around the barracks. <laughs> yep. We're on the front line here. <laughs> Sweeping that motor pool. Them dust bunnies. Uh, also, it turns out that the group of men had terrible leadership and organizational skills. McClarty, for all of his faults, namely the fact that he was a Nazi and bragged about murdering Jews and Poles, actually had leadership experience, but he was gone now. Uh, with that, 
role gone, the senior NCO position fell into a guy named Freeman. Freeman lied to the Nazis about his rank and never actually led anyone before, meaning he had no idea what he was doing. That will not be the last or the first time that somebody lied to the Nazis about rank in order to get them within the Free Corps. Right. Turns out uh, they didn't do a lot of background checks. The Germans, sick and tired of all this bullshit, decided they, they'd, they'd just have to find a capable officer to put in charge. And they did, on paper. On paper. This was a British man named Douglas Burnville Clay. And he was put in charge of the Free Corps because the Germans were working under, were working under the impression that he was a captain from the Coldstream Guards and a member of a British peerage, so-called Lord Charlesworth. Mm. Turns out, none of those things were true. He wasn't part of the, gold, the Coldstream? He wasn't part of the Coldstream Guards. He was not a member of peerage. Yes. He was not an officer. Mm. Well, he was an officer, but we'll get to that. Clay was actually a shithead with no education or peerage, with a history of actually just lying his way through life, to include being fined for pretending to be a pilot in the Royal Air Force. He eventually... Ro- uh, That's an Air Force I would want to be a part of. Especially during World War II. Yeah, he, li- he lied about that. Uh, he, I think he got... I would steal valor for that, dude. Uh, back you, then. Turns out, he had the same opinion. Nice. Uh, he eventually listened to the Army as a private, calling... All right, this is a long name calling himself the Honorable Douglas St. Alburn Webster Burnville Clay. How much of that is his name? Just the Burnville Clay. (laughs) After he enlisted, he told everybody that would listen to him that he'd actually graduated from Oxford, Cambridge, and various other schools. Nice. Somehow this worked. Like, no, 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 no. Like, imagine you went to your unit tomorrow. Like, guys, guys, I went to West Point. I need to be a lieutenant. West Point. Yeah, right. Brown. Started naming off Ivy League schools. Yeah. Like, fuck, all right. So Major. Eventually, someone's like, well, he wouldn't be lying to us, right? Send him to officer's candidate school. So he went, and he became a lieutenant. What? At that point, does like the stolen valor just become real? Like, I don't know. No, yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, you're good now. Yeah. Uh, at, at one point, he was court-martialed uh, and also claimed he was a lawyer so he could represent himself. This guy's awesome so he far. He fucking won at court martial. <laughs> What? Yeah. Uh, he's the Teflon Don of Stolen Valor, and you have to respect that kind of hustle. Yeah. And I think he was court-martialed for fraud, which is what he got in trouble for before. Yeah. <laughs> which is, I was like, yep, I'm also a lawyer. <laughs> I'm lawyer Dr. General, Sir mm. Charlesworth Lord of Windsor. Fuck, I think he's the king now. Like, this checks out. <laughs> I think the first king of England is literally just someone's like, I'm king now. Everyone's like, yeah, right. <laughs> Perfect. Yep. All righty then. Uh, he was eventually captured in Tunisia because uh, he was bad at leading. Surprise. Uh, and once a POW was very nearly murdered, murdered by other POWs because they thought he was an enemy spy because the shit he was saying was not making sense to anybody in the POW camp. I honestly imagine like him just being him. He just went along with what people said. So they'd be like, are you a spy? He's like... Yes. Yes. I'm an MI6. Oh, well. Are you a Nazi spy? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm in the Abswehr. Hit him with rocks. Uh, he finally eventually did turn into an enemy collaborator because, like, he was shunned by the rest of the camp. Uh, and then he, he decided, you know, when he started talking to the Nazis, I'm a captain. And they're like, in the Nazi army. What? And uh, the and he gave himself like the pure choice of Lord Charlesworth and all sorts of other shit. He eventually lied so hard, 
He eventually ended up sitting down to dinner with Felix Steiner. Yep. And once at dinner, he, you know, every once in a while you meet like a bullshitter, a manipulator who's just so fucking good. They're in, they're they're normally like fucking they work at the stock market and shit, or they become politicians. But like, he was just fucking bullshitting his way through life and succeeding at any point. Uh, he lied so hard and so good to Felix Steiner. He's like, yeah, right. You're a captain. Uh, and then they appointed him the commander of the free corps. Wow. Immediately. I think this guy was just going like lie by lie. And every time he was just like, fuck that worked. Let's keep going. Yeah. He's, he's literally like, if I keep digging this hole, I'll come up on top. <laughs> uh, he told the free corps man when he showed up in charge, not to worry. Cause only a few days time, the British should be joining the war against the communists. Remember, it's April of 1945. He told them that all he was going to do was go find some tanks and they'd launch a raid against the Red Army and turn their flank and change the course of the war. Just the Free Corps. So he pointed a random guy in the Free Corps. He said, like, you're my driver now. Get in the car. We're going to go find those tanks. And I was like, yeah, all right. And then he, they drove off. They, he immediately ordered them to throw away their uniforms and they surrendered to the British a few miles down the road. <laughs> <laughs> he was commander for like an hour. Not only was he not punished for any of his kind of momentary service to Nazi Germany, he lied and told them that he learned secrets from Steiner and literally finally really got promoted to captain. What? Yep. He finally got punished for a real for stealing a bunch of army equipment and trying to sell it. <laughs> But, like, I still have respect for the hustle. This guy is awesome, <laughs> M- to be honest. He's the real MVP. Like, really? Yeah. Like, yeah, you were in charge of a bunch of Nazi British guys, but for an hour. Yeah. He ended up getting, like, thrown in prison a couple times, like, forging checks and shit, too. This guy's awesome. <laughs> uh, the Free Corpsmen finally did see combat as Soviet mortars hit uh, their, or targeted their barracks briefly, and they lost the man to gonorrhea. Really? Yeah. During the mortar attack? Well, like, he went and saw a medic because he felt kind of bad. And it turned out he had, like, tertiary gonorrhea. <laughs> On the Eastern Front. Yep. A, you're dead. <laughs> After surviving their bouts with Soviet artillery and STDs, they were deployed to... <laughs> to uh... So every once in a while, you know, we've been making the show for almost two years. Every once in a while, I say a sentence, I'm like, didn't think I went to school for that. That'll work. <laughs> Uh, but after that, they were deployed to many trench line at uh, Angermunde, I believe it's pronounced. Probably not. Is that, what is that in Mexico? No, it's uh, Eastern Germany. They're within Germany now. The uh, the Soviets have invaded uh, Mexico. Mainland Germany. Uh, no, that was France that did that. We did an episode on that as well. I'm sorry, but your fucking pronunciation of that. I thought I was in Mexico. Angermunde. Yeah. Uh, so they that been, was worse. Yeah, it's, it's only getting worse. That got racist. Um, now once there, they began to fight the Soviet advance, but that didn't mean that their, uh, adversary brought their, like, you know, normally like the whole concept of, uh, people bond under adversity, uh, like shared adversity brings a group together. Right. Not so much with the British free Corps, the, the adversity that they, uh, they were forced to deal with together, uh, just made their infighting become such a problem that the local German commander who was literally desperate for soldiers and badly undermanned. Right. Asked that they be withdrawn because like he can't fucking bother to put up with all their bullshit. Wow. So they were pulled somewhere else and stuck with a transportation company. Though after the Soviets broke through the Eastern lines and their dash towards Berlin, the free Corps all just kind of fell apart and vanished gone. Like a fart in the wind. I honestly could see a 
30 dudes within all that chaos just disappearing. Yeah. yeah. Who cares? Yeah, I mean, they threw off their Nazi uniforms and disappeared. Um, many of them were captured by the Red Army, which were like, oh, fuck, it's a British POW. So they sent them back to like the British lines. Now, there was some rumors that several members of the Free Corps ended up fighting in the final stand in Berlin. Um, this is mostly because one of the last units uh, and the one that pretty much fought to the death was actually not German. It was the SS Charlemagne, made up of Frenchmen. But uh, there was rumored to be one Free Corps man who did, a guy named Bob Rossler, who nobody ever heard of again. He just kind of disappeared. So he probably died in Berlin. I see that. Couldn't find a lot of information on old Rossler, uh, but it is rumored. Uh, the men who thought they were just going to throw down their uniforms and surrender were sadly mistaken. British intelligence had been aware of the Free Corps for years, and using accounts from POWs in the camps that they toured, had pretty much a full roster of its members. Almost immediately. We got you guys a starting lineup. Yeah. One by one, they are arrested and brought to trial. Though one guy, Henry Pleasance, managed to get picked up by the Soviets and thrown a gulag for seven fucking years. Fuck did he do? He was a Nazi. That makes sense. <laughs> he was eventually released after that seven years um, and sent back to England, where they didn't bother arresting him again because he'd just been punished you enough. in the gulag. Bro, you were in a gulag. Uh, so he spent the rest of his life telling anybody that he was the Waffen-SS boxing champion. Sure. What? Yeah. That's not something to be proud of. I mean, you're a champion. Like, what are you a champion of? Nazi boxing. I was like, were, like, were you punched Nazis? Like, no, I was a Nazi in a boxing team. Like, oh, you were one of those. Yeah. Amory and Cooper faced the most serious charges of high treason. Cooper was sentenced to death, but before he could be hung, commuted to life. And he was released in 1943. What? Yep. Who was like... 43? 53. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and I remember Cooper was... But one, still, what? He was the one bragging about taking part in the Holocaust. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Amory's death sentence was carried out in 1945 at Wandsworth Prison. Uh, Did they resurrect him and get, get like let him go? <laughs> We're commuting your death sentence, uh, sir. We've already carried out the death sentence. Bring him back to life and shove <laughs> him out to London. No one will notice the difference. We get very little sunshine here. <laughs> my my English accent sounds like it's not bad. Old school Boston or New York? I'm not really yeah, sure. It's not bad. Uh, but most people end up with like Cooper-like sentences. Sentenced to life and then released after a couple of years. Uh, Kenneth Barry was brought up on similar charges, but he had several people come to his defense, including his old commander and German army documents that described him as, quote, simple. <laughs> I wonder if that was just a piece of paper. Simple. Like, imagine, like, so what's your defense? I was too dumb to be a Nazi. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You're that type of and guy. And it worked. And, I mean, like, he, his defense is he was too dumb to understand what was going on. Which is, like, probably the first time in, uh, in a legal defense is, like, you just shrug your shoulders, like, hey, come on. Yeah. Come on. It worked. He served nine months and then returned to being a merchant seaman. Then he married what was a German rank? man seaman. Uh, he was a, he was an adult now. Uh, he married a German woman, uh, ironic, and then died in ninety two. Yep, uh, that is the story of the British Free Corps. And thankfully, ever since the military doesn't recruit people with fascist political backgrounds, so this could totally never happen again. 
Thank God. Yeah. Who would who would have thought? Yeah, I mean, I'd always kind of known a bit about the like the volunteers of the SS because the SS Charlemagne was always so interesting to me. Right. And like, it's it's really kind of hard to say like, yeah, those Nazis are real interesting. Uh, but like, it's really strange to see someone volunteer for something that's like should be they should be adversarial adversarial against, and then like. They're literally more loyal than real Nazi, like real Germans. Um, it's so strange to me. Uh, it really is. And like uh, the Nazis um, uh, and, and their Eastern European functionaries are grossly violent. Uh, like their Eastern European, one of them comes to mind is like the Ustasi, which still exists to this day. So it's like it, they had a real weird, um, like they set up franchises. Thanks, Hitler. Chick-fil-A franchises. Yeah. Uh, keep going back to that. Yeah. But now... Uh, I just think I want chicken. I'm just really happy that fascism is close on Sundays. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, uh, Nick, we do a thing on the show called Questions from the Legion. I'm well aware. Now, if you'd like to ask a question from the Legion, you can donate a dollar, get access to our Discord, ask us on the podcast episode channel, or you could send us a DM on Patreon or Twitter. Our um, our question from the Legion for this episode is to me as more of a sci-fi author than a military history podcaster, and that is what as a as a sci-fi author, what my concepts of city building and society look like um, in the future. Because I've uh, well, I have one sci-fi book out now called Citizen of Earth. Please buy it. Um, which talks about how earth might look like in a couple thousand years from now and, and under like a world war one world government um, plus how some alien civilizations look like. And uh, I think, I mean, uh, Nick, you're from a really, really big city. What most people think of when they think of like West coast elites, they think LA and Seattle and shit. You're from LA. Um, you've been to Seattle. Uh, I think some of the things that we're seeing now, even in 2020 is like just a shortage of housing and land and basic government fucking systems and, and, programs and yeah uh, which is why i see uh and it's kind of something of a sci-fi trope is like the hive city as i think i called it uh where you just have like a city that has formed to like one giant layered monster where everybody is it's like one giant organism and i know people say that now about like cities with actual functioning public transit but like i think like layered cities that go up miles into the sky and stuff like that it almost reminds me of dread yeah, with those giant city blocks. Or- yeah, and that is kind of what I see. Um, and I don't think it's like a good future. I mean, I, I write I write dystopian sci-fi military literature. Um, but I believe if we are to escape some kind of horrific climate death or large-scale purging of population numbers, which are normally racist. Um, we're going to have to do something that's deeply, deeply uncomfortable, uh, like living on top of one another in a, in a like a beehive type city. Um, but I'm not a city planner. I write sci-fi and I do a history podcast. So I, I'm a natural pessimist. Uh, but yeah, then, then we'll see city states uh, form or like one city of fucking 50, 200 million people exist and it's effectively a sovereign nation. That sounds terrible. It's going to be awful. Uh, it's not good. Um, so that's our episode this week. Thank you for listening. Uh, Nick, thank you for joining me about British boofing. Um, yes, the boof, the the boof, boof, um, hit him with bricks.
Yes. Uh, uh, if you like to support our show, it'll always be free. But if you are we supporting Boy Seaman? We are not. So we're not supporting the. We have Marines, a strong the stance. British merchant. Uh, I have no strong stance in the British uh, Merchant Navy. Gotcha. Uh, but I do have a problem with their titles. Uh, but our show will always be free. If you want to throw us a dollar, you could do so on Patreon, where you get access to bonus episodes or Discord. You get books and stickers. Uh, you get early episodes, and you can ask us questions from the Legion. And make me talk about weird sci-fi stuff after talking about fascists. It's all good. You're playing Sims. Yeah, it's it's Sims, but people die. It's great. <laughs> Uh, you can kill people in Sims too. Yeah, you can totally kill a lot of people in Sims. It's like the only thing you do in like a Sims amusement. The Sims amusement park is you just make a roller coaster. You just fucking slam that, into people in line. For, a, yeah, for that same roller coaster. Yeah, it's missing a whole part of the loop. Uh, but that's this episode. That's this week's episode, uh, and we look forward to talking about probably not fascist next week. Later. Maybe.